Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, episode 62. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion, and live the life of your dreams. This week on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I have a very special guest for you. He's a friend of mine and a rising star in the profession, elected as the current president of the American Institute of Architecture students in December of 2013, I met this man at a small reception following my speech at that organization's annual convention in Chicago, and within minutes of meeting him, I knew that he would be elected the next day as the president of AIAS, and he would go on to do great things for the profession. Well, as president of AIAS, Charlie Kletcha is in the process of doing great things, and I am so excited to see where his journey leads, and I am happy to share his story with you here today on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. This episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast is brought to you by Entrepreneur Architect Academy, a community of like-minded architects seeking to take their small firms to greater success. 
And membership at Entrepreneur Architect Academy includes a live weekly video conference where the members and I meet each week to discuss a specific topic of business, leadership, or life. And we work together to help each other build better businesses and be better architects. And it also includes a private membership community where during the week members post and communicate and share information uh, in a very protected forum. Members receive free access to all the products offered by Entrepreneur Architect now and into the future for as long as they're members of the Academy. And in 2015, we are planning on 10 new video courses, so don't miss out on that. And there's going to be much, much more as Entrepreneur Architect Academy grows. So if you're interested, learn more at entrearchitect.com slash academy. Charlie Kletcha, welcome to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Glad yeah, to be here. It's great having you here. Um, you're the current president of the American Institute of Architecture Students. Uh, we first met when uh, when I attended AIAS Forum in 2013 in Chicago, just a little bit over a year ago. I was invited to speak at the General Assembly, and, and I met many of the architecture student leaders there and was really excited to to meet them and and i was so inspired uh by being there i love forum and and what it does to the people who who attend there um that was where you were elected so that was exciting to to see see that happen um and then we met again last summer in chicago again you had Mm -hmm. your your team after you've you've been elected you had your team sort of doing a planning retreat uh, Mm -hmm. and you had a a a small reception inviting me over so that was exciting Mm -hmm. again to to meet up again and, and talk. And I, so I learned a little bit about your story and where you've come from, and it's a really interesting story. So um, why don't you share your origin story? Tell us sort of your journey to get to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's, it has been uh, an interesting one for me as well. Uh, I, I was actually interested in architecture as a kid, uh, but kind of took another path uh, going into my undergrad, uh, started as an engineer first, and then transferred uh, to the theater program at the University of Michigan, uh, where I ended up doing a degree in uh, performing arts, lighting design, and stage management. Uh, toward the end of that degree program, I uh, proposed a, a, an independent study coming back around to architecture. Uh, I wanted to design a set of plans for a performing arts center, and that got me into some conversations with the School of Architecture at Michigan, uh, which is where I found out there was such a thing as a, a three-year MARC for a non-architecture undergrad. Uh, so I took some time off and worked. I, I had a bit of a freelance career in performing arts for a while and production, uh, and then uh, dove in headfirst and jumped into a three and a half year master's uh, at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, about a year into that program, I ended up getting involved with the AIAS. Um, as, as is often the case, one of my uh, elder peers kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, I think this is something you should get involved in. and. Uh, I listened because I was offered a free t-shirt and some pizza and um, <laughs> that was enough to get me involved and then when I actually started participating I realized how uh, how great the payoff was in terms of uh, the, the energy put in and the, the sort of connections and benefits that come out of active engagement uh, and so after attending my very first forum in 2012 uh, I came back the following year um, to run, run for office uh, and just jumped straight in and ran for president and uh, was elected. And uh, so the following July, uh, so July of 2014, I 
just having graduated, moved straight off to D.C. and have been working ever since full time with the AIS as uh, both the national president, chairman of the board and a full time employee. Yeah, the, the uh, T-shirt and pizza will do it every time. <laughs> it's often the hook that gets people involved. But. Yeah, I was AIA, uh, AIAS president, uh, chapter president at Roger Williams uh, right, back yeah. in 92. I <laughs> uh, graduated in 93, but I was president in 92. And, uh, and that's how I grew my chapter. It was mm-hmm. a pretty uh, small chapter, and, and I promised everybody pizza, free mm-hmm. pizza, you know, mm-hmm. and we used the budget to, uh, to buy pizza. And I got a whole bunch of people to show up every week. <laughs> and, uh, you know, once they were there, they were excited about what we were doing. And they stuck mm-hmm. around for what we were doing. And it wasn't so much about the pizza and the T-shirts anymore. Yep. As long as that's just the bait and there's there's more substance to it. That's I'm, I'm fine with whatever gets people in the door and yeah. gets them listening. Yeah. And you you uh, you talked a little bit about your theater background and the and the and the uh, technology and you're a rock and roll guy, right? So, <laughs> yep. tell tell us a little bit about that story too, because that's interesting and how that might have led to where you are today as well. Yeah, that was a, a, an interesting little tangent in my my professional career. Uh, so, a, a friend of mine from the the theater school ended up. Uh, going on to uh, produce some theater. Uh, I worked with him as a lighting designer and stage manager uh, and then later went on to uh, to start a band and got signed to Atlantic Records and um, asked me one day, he called me up one day and asked, uh, he basically said, you seem organized and I could tolerate living on a bus with you for eight weeks. Do you want to be our tour manager? <laughs> to which I, I naturally said, yes, of course, and then hung up the phone and, and Googled what a tour manager does because I had no <laughs> idea what I had just signed up for. Uh, but yeah, so I've gone on a, a handful of uh, national tours with that band, and uh, the way I basically described that job was uh, they played music for an hour a day, and the other 23 hours were my job. So oh, everything boy. from coordinating travel and lodging to managing press and managing the, the technical details of the venues, it was uh, quite a fascinating experience. And how long did you do that? Uh, eight to ten weeks at a time, I think I did two or three national tours with them, uh, including the Warp Tour, which is uh, one of these big kind of festival dozen stages yeah. parking lot tours. Um, so yeah, a, a very interesting range of, of experiences through that. What was the name of the band? Uh, it's called I Fight Dragons. Uh, they're a, a band out of Chicago. Um, just released a new album on vinyl that they, they backed by Kickstarter uh, that was overwhelmingly successful. Oh, very cool. What kind of, what kind of music is it? What does it compare to? Uh, they call it chiptune rock, so it's uh, it's pop rock, very catchy. Uh, the kids these days love it. <laughs> it's uh, they they employ eight uh, bit audio, so the old the old kind of nostalgic retro audio from uh, Nintendo and Atari. Yeah. They actually play that as an instrument in the band. Um, oh, so cool! They, they do some fun stuff. Very cool. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, sounds like an exciting part of your life. It was. I, I wouldn't change a thing. It's, I've had some some really interesting and exciting opportunities. So why why did you why didn't you continue on that path? Because you you veered off that path and came back to to architecture. What what was the what was the uh, catalyst for that? Um, I, I I wouldn't say I've entirely given up on that path. Uh, I, I kind of take opportunities as they come. Uh, by the time I started doing that in a significant capacity, I'd already um, started thinking pretty seriously about grad school and about uh, a career in architecture and um, was just, yeah, sort of taking the opportunities as they came. I had about three years off in between undergrad and grad school uh, and 
those opportunities helped kind of fill the gap while I was doing all kinds of other random day jobs, paying off a little bit of the student loan debt and, uh, and, and really making sure architecture was what I wanted to do before I dove into it. Cause coming from a theater degree, uh, I knew that architecture was liable to be a, a pretty time and labor intensive, uh, academic endeavor relative to the, uh, somewhat, somewhat less rigorous, uh, theater career I had before that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it uh, I would guess that someday those two paths will merge and, uh, and much of your future will, will be involved in that. I imagine they will. It's, uh, at, at first I thought it to be quite a disconnect, uh, but it, it was actually several others, several friends that, that helped me kind of understand how, how closely tied those two backgrounds are. Um, the idea of, uh, theater and and uh, kind of the experiential design of, of space and the spatial environment um, lighting being kind of a very technical subject but with a very aesthetic finished product um, very similar to to how I view architecture so um, yeah I, I think it's uh, they're all kind of symptoms of the same uh, the same deep-rooted interest so yeah I see them being entwined throughout my career yeah, and I'm one for encouraging architects to do something, you know, beyond the traditional architecture studio, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and take take everything that you do and, and everything that you are and and do something unique, and, you mm-hmm. know, add something different and interesting to the world. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where you go. Um, so let's get back to AIAS. Um, sure. There are a bunch of changes there recently uh you have a new executive director nick circus yep, we sure do uh he was formerly the assistant director at ncarb mm-hmm. um, director of internship and education yeah. right so he was involved in aias uh before yeah. and uh, i actually met him the same time i met you in at that <laughs> same at that same reception at uh, at forum after i spoke we had we were invited to a reception afterwards and i met you there and your wife mm-hmm. um and uh and Nick was there as well, and so I met with Nick as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I spoke to him a few episodes back, episode fifty. We talked mm-hmm. about AIS and his his plans. Mm-hmm. So, s- tell us a little bit what your plans are for AIS and, and what you're planning on doing there. Well, uh, it's uh, you know it, naturally it's evolved a little bit over the the course of my term, about halfway through now. Uh, but it's always had a lot to do with um, really celebrating the the professional development. Uh, and kind of leadership training aspects of the AIS that sometimes get uh, a little lost. Um, we, uh, as you know, that the 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 pizza and t-shirts uh, angle uh, sometimes gets us a little tied down to the 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 social kind of fellowship and community building aspects, which are incredibly incredibly valuable in and of themselves. But um, there's so much that happens organically in terms of network building and, and leadership training. Um, really, the, the, the students who run these local chapters at schools are, uh, in essence, uh, running a small nonprofit organization. So they're running a board of directors. They're, they're writing agendas and planning meetings and setting strategic visions and, and planning a budget and, and often interacting with, with administrators at several different levels. Um, so it really is uh, something we've we've never really told the story of in, in in a compelling or effective way. So my my overarching goal for the organization for for my year at least is is really to to learn how to celebrate that and to 
um, bring to the fore more of those those opportunities to to really advance your career to to establish DAS as a, a valuable credential, something that you don't just put on your resume because yeah. you know tantamount to being in in uh, you know student council, but something that actually means that you've uh, gone above and beyond the minimum requirements to sort of set yourself apart among your peers. Yeah, I love that. I love that it, that you're 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 bringing the sort of the uh, cachet of uh, of being a member of AIAS and 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 I really I love that you're pointing out that the the student leaders who are running these organizations are running small businesses. Yeah. Um, and the and that's certainly you know that's my mission is to is to is to wake everybody up in the architectural world that that. Uh, as architects, we need to know how to run businesses. And so to do, be doing that as students, um, because the architecture schools don't have time to be teaching, that's mm -hmm. that's basically the answer when I ask architecture schools why they're not teaching any mm -hmm. sort of business. They're doing a little bit of uh, professional practice work. And, and some schools mm -hmm. have entrepreneur sort of bents and, and some courses. But, um, you know, if it was my you know, if I could change the world, I'd mm -hmm. be teaching every architect how to run a successful small mm -hmm. business. And so to have the AIAS, uh, not only, you know, that's that's part of being the student leader to run these chapters, but to point it out and to encourage that is really mm -hmm. uh, great to hear that. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the opportunities, not only sort of pointing out how it already happens uh, just by virtue of the, the structure of the organization, but providing more of those opportunities. Because yeah. as you mentioned, there are very few schools who really capitalize on um, or, or offer opportunities in the business of architecture. So um, we've uh, started conversations with groups like the Society for Design Administration um, and, and trying to work with them to offer our members access to you know resources to, if, if that's you know within your wheelhouse, within your interest uh, or skill set to to lean toward the the business side or, or prepare yourself for the business side of, of architecture um, we want to be able to offer those opportunities where where the school may not necessarily offer that um, so those types of resources that type of supplemental education that can help bridge the gap from from education to practice um, that's uh, that's what I feel is is a huge benefit of of membership and something that we can we can really promote yeah I love that Mm -hmm. um, also, one of the things that I really liked when I was in Chicago, um, other than the fact that it brought me back to being a kid again, mm -hmm. um, is just the, the ins inspiration of being there, being being in that in that big room with a thousand uh, enthusiastic, optimistic architecture students mm -hmm. is is so uh, you know it gets you so pumped up, and and I and I think that there should be some formal way for that energy from architecture students to be merged with uh, the maybe the, the mature maturity and the knowledge of the professionals and to bring them together literally in the same space uh, mm -hmm. at that large scale uh, for things like that to happen because that doesn't really happen I mean the AIAS is invited to the to the convention and you know they have a couple of little uh, things that happen over there so they can say that they're involved but I would love to see one big room full of architects and architecture students, um, mm -hmm. you know, banging away and being <laughs> loud like 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 forum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really I, I think just about every um, professional or sort of 
you know, outside perspective that's come to one of those events uh, has had that that same reaction. It's just such a such an inspiring experience, such a, a just infectiously energetic group, um, you know. And I, I I don't think it's like the the um, enthusiasm of of naivety. I, I think it's a genuine sort of optimism, a genuine yeah. notion that that we can change the world through what we do, you know, and and we're going to take advantage of yeah, everything. Yeah, I agree. I don't yeah. I don't think that it's that it's immaturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's it's pure optimism and yeah. and it's something that I think all architects still have as they grow older. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that because the real world gets in their way and they're and they're sort of in, the, the profession sort of, sort of doesn't really encourage that so much mm-hmm. um, that it gets sort of pushed down and 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 uh, you know it gets it's still inside but it's not at the surface mm-hmm. and and when you go to an event like that it sort of just comes out and, yeah and that's mm-hmm. why I would love to see some sort of more formal uh, engagement between mm-hmm. the two groups so yeah. uh, so architects can be reminded how how they really feel because mm-hmm. architects yeah. are naturally optimists. It's true. Yeah. And we we're always looking for more opportunities for that, for, you know, inviting more professionals just to join us, if if not to actively participate uh, for forum, just so they can see, you know, kind of what it is we're all about um, to have a, a more significant presence at convention every year um, and, and to find those opportunities where maybe, you know, we, it's a conversation we're having with the IA is how can we um sort of overlap or integrate or coordinate our, especially the leadership training yeah. uh, programming. You know, AIA has has grassroots as a leadership training co- conference. We have our summer grassroots as a leadership training conference. So maybe there's some room for, for this to happen together and, and develop, you know, uh, not only those, those kind of informal and organic uh, mentorship relationships, but yeah, really give a chance for, for that optimism to sort of flow out from our group and, and help recharge the, uh, the one above us. Yeah. Are there any, are there any formal, uh, connections between AIA and AIAS now that, that is, is trying to do something like that? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's really an ongoing conversation. I mean, we're, um, we're headquartered. My office is, is in their building. So we have conversations with them literally daily. Um, but especially in the last, a uh, few years, the relationship has really become a lot more um, collaborative, a lot more um, one of open dialogue. Um, we're actually just around the corner from the uh, Emerging Professionals Group, the Center for Emerging Professionals at the AA. Um, so there's pretty constant kind of back and forth about things that we can be doing together, um, things that we can help each other with, with our, uh, our uh, social media and communications uh, staff are always kind of going back and forth and sharing ideas. Um, so it's, it, it kind of runs the full gamut from, from very formal partnerships to the really sort of organic on the fly. Let's help you promote this. Let's, let's see where this idea goes. Um, it's really, and I would say that with, um, with all the collaterals, um, cause ACSA is also in the building. Um, the NAB is also just down the street, and, and NCARB, of course, um, especially in recent years, and totally unrelated to the fact that we stole Nick from them, um, <laughs> has has been a, a fantastic supporter of ours, uh, which stands to reason. You know, we, we are sort of the future generation of the profession, so um, we we want to help them, you know, promote their mission and 
and likewise they support what we're doing to to educate uh, young professionals. Right. What you you had mentioned earlier that that um, sort of your mission was to uh, bring this professional development mm-hmm. uh, to to the students. What are you doing specifically to mm-hmm. make that happen? Um, well, this spring we've actually got. Uh, pretty solid and pretty jam-packed uh, slate of, of, of new programming. Um, in addition to a lot of the things we're already doing, um, uh, we, we have some new initiatives. Um, some of them are still in development, but um, one is uh, essentially a, a scholarship fund that we're working to set up, um, basically uh, contacting kind of our professional network um, both in the organization world and, and in the professional world, um, soliciting donations to establish the scholarship fund that would reimburse um, AIAS members who uh, sit for an ARE within one year of graduating and pass. Um, if they can pass an exam within a year of graduating as an AIAS member and submit that pass, they get reimbursed for, for that test. Um, there's still a lot to figure out logistically on that. Can you apply for multiple, um, you know, things like that, but um, we essentially want to help encourage folks to commit to making a plan and, and stick to it, just get started. Um, and it, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to sit for all seven in the first year, but, um, you know, it, it's it's really just not allowing allowing time or life to sort of get in the way and, mm-hmm. and keep pushing that that start date back. I found that really, um, and this was even true with uh, with IDP for me, getting past that zero barrier, you know, just getting those first couple hours logged and getting familiar with what it's like to do that um, made a huge difference and made it so much easier to to get rolling. And, and likewise, just sitting for that first exam and knowing how to study and where the resources are and how to, how to get a mentor and how to get a supervisor and, um, you know, where to turn for that, that sort of help um, makes a huge difference. Um, so actually, as as a part of um, the campaign to help launch the scholarship fund for the AIAS, um, we're doing something called the Seven and Seven campaign, where I literally will. I'm I've committed to to taking all seven exams in a week, um, in probably May, tentatively scheduled for May. Um, seven exams in seven days, um, and I'll be I'll be blogging throughout the spring on um, what study materials I'm using. Um, you know, what, what resources are available, who I'm talking to, kind of just how it's going, uh, you know, even down to like the, the paperwork, um, how to how to find out what you need to do in your state or in your jurisdiction to sit for the exam. Um, so that's that's a big one. Um, we're also doing uh, something. Uh, it's kind of a partnership with the A and with NCARB uh, that will become sort of a, a network of, of firms that uh, we've sort of evaluated as being supportive of developing young professionals. Um, so the firms that um, help provide study materials uh, for, for the ARE or that, that will um, you know, pay for an ARE if you pass or will give you time off to take the exams you know, without penalizing you, um, that provide mentorship opportunities that, that actively help you get through IDP and not just sort of when you ask for it, they'll sign off. Um, We'd like to build a network of these firms, both so that we can direct our members toward the firms we know they have a, a good chance of succeeding, and so that the, that those firms are 
um, given kind of a competitive edge in, in attracting the talent that we provide, um, but also as a means of gaining feedback from the profession on what we can be doing better to prepare people. Um, things like business and, uh, and communications and even graphic design. If there are areas where the profession sees consistently um, room to improve in young professionals, we want to be you know, the agile organization that can provide those resources and sort of fill the gap. Um, so we really see it as, as sort of a win-win across the board um, for our organization, for the firms, for the members. Um, it's really just, just making those connections, which is so much of, of what entering the profession is about, is making those connections. Yeah, and it sounds like if you could get all of those programs up and running and, and, and becoming a part of be, being an AIAS member, that the, uh, the, that the pizza and the T-shirts won't be needed anymore <laughs> because it'll just be part of the process of becoming an architect. That You go to architecture school, you become an AIAS member, Mm -hmm. And that's part of your education, that that, yeah. that is the, the piece that fills in the gaps that the schools and the profession aren't providing. Yeah. Um, the AIS can, can facilitate other organizations to help those, those like my organization, Entrepreneur Architect, um, the things that, that I'm presenting to architecture, to architects, uh, certainly can, can also be uh, presented to architecture students. So uh, you and I should talk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Continue to talk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so what about you personally? What's your what's your plan once you uh, get the weight off your shoulders <laughs> of uh, of running the 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 world of architecture students? <laughs> right. Uh, what do you have uh, plans for your future after you're done there? Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually uh, headed back to my hometown of Detroit. Uh, my wife uh, just started a tenure track position at Wayne State University in downtown Detroit. So we've uh, we've bought a home uh, in Detroit, and after my term is up in uh, in July with the AIS, I'll be returning to Detroit. Um, as I said, I, I hopefully by that point we'll have passed at least a majority of the seven AREs. Uh, so the next step will be um, finishing out the IDP, taking any exams that I don't happen to pass on the first run. Um, and, uh, yeah, really just getting the experience of, of practice. Um, I went straight from graduate school into this position and, and while it's been, uh, an amazing experience and built an incredible network, it, it isn't design, uh, it, it's project management and it's administration and all sorts of wonderful business experience. But, um, I do kind of miss the design, so I'm excited to get back in and sort of start back at the bottom and uh, work yeah. my way up through the, uh, you know, bathroom details and staircases and, and, uh, and see where practice goes. There's a, a handful of firms in Detroit that I've got my eye on and, and I'm looking to uh, set up meetings soon to start just kind of building that connection. Yeah. Um, also get involved with the AIA uh, in, in Detroit. AI Detroit and AI Michigan are both here. Um, so looking forward to uh, kind of continuing the path. I, I don't see my position now is in any way terminal. It's really just the, the beginning of a, a career of involvement. Right, right. Any uh, entrepreneurism in your long-term future? You ever imagine that you'd start your own firm? <laughs> it's certainly a distinct possibility. Uh, I think there are a lot of a lot of areas of interest that, that could lead that way. Uh, that was never my, never my plan in the past, but uh, there's something about the experiences I've had in the last handful of years that uh, have made that more and more of a possibility. Yeah, I mean, with your unique background, there's probably not too many firms that 
uh, are doing what you could do with your knowledge and your background that uh, that you could start your own thing and uh, and be really successful doing it. Yeah, that's true. And if I decide to go that way, I I, I know Entrepreneur Architect has a, a number of resources that I could uh, use to uh, leverage those those interests. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been great. It's been great speaking with you again and My uh, pleasure. learning a little bit about what you're doing at AIAS and, uh, and to, to learning a little bit more about you personally. I, th- mm-hmm. uh, I think your story is a really inspiring one and, and very interesting to hear. And so uh, thanks for being with me today. Absolutely. My pleasure. And uh, Always good talking to you. And we'll, uh, and we'll continue the conversation. Sounds good. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. All right. Thanks, thanks for being with me. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. If you like this episode or any other episode that you may have heard here at the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, please go to iTunes and leave me a review because this is how you may help me spread the word about Entrepreneur Architect and our mission to become an influential force in this profession. Please go to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes or if you find yourself in iTunes and searching around, just search for Entrepreneur Architect and you'll find me there. And just a reminder about Entrepreneur Architect Academy. This is a group that you want to be belong to. So check it out, entrearchitect.com slash academy. If you have any questions about it, go to the site and and, uh, send me an email from entrearchitect.com. You can hit the contacts button up top. Send me an email if you have any questions about it. I'd love to have you join us and, uh, and be part of our group. So that's a wrap on today's show. The show notes and a direct link to download this episode of the show may be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 62. And my name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. I hope to see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. 
in drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us can we do this are we ready to do this are we prepared can we do it did we just decide a name <laughs> we did it guys oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere Woo! it came out of nowhere i liked it i saw it ready to turn your aspirations into reality follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to emerging and chart your own path to architectural success Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.